Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, We're going to take a look at this Wall Street Journal editorial because I want the president to win. If I can think of any way or you can think of any way that we can help him, I'm all for it. But I want to look at this for a minute. I want to give you some background And then we'll take a look at their editorial. As I speak today, you're seeing a ton of reporting in the media on the number of cases of the Wuhan China virus, that they're skyrocketing. And I am monitoring these reports on all the cable TV. And none of them, at least unless I missed one, none of them mention the actual rate of death as a result of this virus. You can go to the CDC website to the extent you trust it, but if we're going to be using uh, uh, the same kind of uh, a number that we've been using all along here, it's 0.02%. In other words, it's two-tenths of 1%. A few months ago, they were talking about 6%, 4%, 3%, 2%. It's two-tenths of 1%. This isn't downplaying deaths. That has nothing to do with it. And part of that is a result of terrible decisions in New Jersey, in Illinois, in California, in New York, in Connecticut. Particularly as applies to the epicenter of the virus, which was New York and New York City and Cuomo's handling of it. The number bounces around, but approximately 40% of the two-tenths of 1% who have died as a result of this virus 
uh, were in nursing homes or assisted living homes. And even a bigger majority are people over the age of 65. How can you blame the president for deaths associated with the coronavirus? And this is what the media are doing today. This is what Biden and the Democrats are doing today. They're trying to pin it on the president. The president, the office of the presidency, the executive branch, they're not the first responders. Moreover, we know the president moved heaven and earth. We know, as a matter of fact, the Obama-Biden administration didn't have ventilators in place or PPEs and all the rest. We know that China hoarded the PPAs, PPEs in advance. But you see, this is just an example of what the president of the United States is up against. And as I, we'll get to the Wall Street Journal piece. So talking about tax cuts and school choice, that's very, very important. But that doesn't offset what's taking place here in terms of the full court attack on this president. It's much more complicated than the Wall Street Journal editorial, what had you believe. And just think about the last three and a half years. The Obama administration, and I believe Obama in every respect, the Obama administration and Biden tried to take out candidate Trump. Now, I'm not going to go through the list of horribles. You know the list of horribles. And it was day after day after day. And they actually painted the victim, Trump, as the Russia colluder, when in fact it was the Hillary campaign through a number of cutouts and their money that was colluding with Russia. They came up with that opposition research that they called a dossier. That and other things were used as a pretext to investigate the President of the United States. Almost right out of the box, there was a criminal investigation of the President of the United States. And day in and day out, we had speculation. We had comments about him being a, uh, a sellout to Vladimir Putin, on and on and on. When in fact, the top officials in the Obama administration, whether at the CIA or the FBI or at the White House, knew full well there was no Russian collusion. Didn't matter. And the media went with it, and the media participated in it. They appointed a special prosecutor a few months after the man was sworn in as President of the United States. And this is all we heard about. This is all we heard about. And then an innocent man was impeached by only Democrats in the House. Once they took over from the Republicans in the House in the 2018 election, that's all they focused on, impeachment. And they realized they couldn't get them on Russia collusion. And they were withholding exculpatory evidence. They were withholding evidence. Schiff was. So they go after a phone call that was perfectly fine with a, a phony whistleblower. A setup, an inside job by a guy who had worked closely with Biden, was a Democrat, and had coordinated with Adam Schiff's staff. Any one of these events should shock the conscience of a nation. And as they just finished with the impeachment trial in the Senate, just finished, the coronavirus hits, the Wuhan China virus. And who do they blame? They actually blame the President of the United States, not China. You're not even allowed to call it the China virus. You can call it the white privilege virus, but you cannot call it the China virus. 
And so this president is dealing with something in this virus that really no president in my lifetime has had to deal with before. And his medical experts were actually inexpert. Fauci among them. Don't use a mask, do use a mask. Pelosi, go to Chinatown, celebrate. Everybody, get out there, don't be scared of it. Now we all have to hunker down. Go in your home. They shut the schools. They shut businesses. They shut everything. They shut down the economy. A massively vibrant economy. With unemployment I've never seen so low in my entire life. As it was chugging along. And the president puts the health interests and medical interests of the American people first. It's up to the governors to make specific decisions about what they're going to do. You heard Cuomo, that's about federalism. In fact, it is. So any mistakes the governor made are blamed on the president. Their lack of preparation is blamed on the president. The lack of federal preparation isn't blamed on Obama and Biden. It's certainly not blamed on Fauci or anybody. It's blamed on the president. When in fact, it's the president moving, moving mountains to try and get things done, and he does. And then he sees the economy's dead, racking up unemployment, and the consequences from that, the health consequences from that, that the media never wanted to talk about, that Fauci never wanted to talk about, suicide, heart disease, cancer, so much. That goes unknown and untreated early on, and we still don't know the results of that. And the Biden campaign runs an ad blaming the president for every bit of it, every piece of it. But he doesn't have to pay for those ads because the media do it, and they're doing it today. The number of cases are way up, 40,000 in one day. How about the number of deaths? Well, we don't want to talk about that. Well, you used to want to talk about it. So what do they say? 125,000 dead from the virus. I told you early on, that's not even clear. That's not even clear. Because some of these areas, at the direction of the CDC, anybody who has the virus and dies, even though it's not the primary reason, it's counted as a virus death. But look, I don't want to go over old territory. What else has this president had to confront? You and I have never seen a media like this, ever. We knew it was bad, but we've never seen anything like this. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. Even the, even the Harvard Shorenstein Center said they never seen anything like this. Because now we have a different kind of media. We have a lot of young kamikaze Turks in there now who see it as their goal to defeat Trump. Some of them have said it out loud. Some of them pretend otherwise. It's not a profession. It's a movement. And it is day in and day out. And anything goes. You can call him Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, a sellout to Putin, a sellout to the Chinese. You can call him a racist, a white supremacist, an anti-Semitic. Anything goes. You had psychologists and psychiatrists breaking their ethics rules, writing a book, putting out statements, interviewed on TV about how Donald Trump is mentally unfit to be president. Of course, Joe Biden, they don't say a word. Then you have them going after, collectively, Congress and the media, his private business records, his taxes, those of his children, his financial records. You have lawsuits being brought by Democrat attorneys general, Democrat DAs, 
against his businesses, for his records. There's an onslaught. The man is under an unbelievable attack, personally and professionally. We have never seen anything like this. And then you can see who the Benedict Arnolds are. You have these ex-generals who wanted Trump to engage in wars that he did not want to engage in. Whether you agree with him or not is not the point. He's the commander-in-chief. These generals wanted it. Mattis resigned, he says, because of the president's decision in Syria. Turns out the president didn't make a bad decision in Syria. We have Bolton, whose betrayal is unprecedented in modern American history. For the same reason. And he know go, going in, he knew going in that he didn't agree with the president's policies. So he obviously uh, had a premeditated purpose in going in. And then you have other people who were like Amarosa. Who cares what Amarosa's media? Anybody. A porn star. The porn star's unethical lawyer. Months. His unethical lawyer, Michael Cohen. Months. Speculation about secret indictments against the president. Campaign violations. What's the Southern District of New York up to? On and on and on and on. And you wonder why, according to these polls anyway, he's 14 points behind. Not because he's not talking about tax cuts. And then we have riots starting in Minneapolis and moving across one Democrat city after another, where one Democrat mayor after another will not act. They will not back the cops. They will not put down the looters and the arsonists. They will not put down the criminals. You have the media lying. It's mostly peaceful. Riots are not mostly peaceful. They're called riots for a reason. The same media that when Americans came out in untold numbers and wanted their jobs back and their businesses back and all the rest, the same media who was saying how they were threatened, the same media who says the President of the United States by holding a rally is threatening the American people, covered up for, lied about, cherry-picked, Riots. Because they agree with the rioters. Because they agree. And somehow the president's blamed for that. He's not a unifier. How are you a unifier with Marxist anarchists? How are you a unifier with mayors who are painting BLM as big as they can on streets? You have mayors in cities like Bowser in Washington, D.C. She's the biggest graffiti artist in the country. Pulling down statues. Meanwhile, they call the president a dictator because he might use the Insurrection Act, but he didn't use the Insurrection Act. He didn't call in the Marines. He didn't call in the regular army. Could have, but he didn't. So they tie his hands, and then they wonder why. Why doesn't he do something about this? But if he does something, why is he doing something about this? Why does he dare hold up a Bible in front of a church? Oh, my Lord, you can't do that you got to be burning the American flag. Why did he clear out Lafayette Park just to do that? But he didn't. That's not what happened. Didn't matter. Media says that is what happened. The president's accomplishments are utterly ignored. Barack Obama and Joe Biden's sabotaging of the Trump presidency. It is treasonous. Gets no attention whatsoever. 
Now, in this short 15-minute statement by me, I want you to remember it, because now we're going to go to the Wall Street Journal editorial. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Joe Biden, we only have a minute and a half, so we'll continue this after the bottom. Joe Biden is protected, just as Obama was. He's protected. Everybody knows he's the, he's an idiot, basically. In the true sense of that word, he's become an idiot. He's become feeble. But now they're telling us, because of the virus, the man can't be engaging in public unless they choose to. Uh, We're going to have a viral convention, and there's, of course, a piece in the Washington Compost immediately saying, that's a swell idea, that's a great idea, that's just unbelievable. Should have thought of that a long time ago. And so you won't see the battles between the Bernie Sanders supporters and the Biden supporters that you would normally see, because it's all going to be sterilized, purified. You won't see the kind of people who are supporting Biden, and I'm not talking about race, I'm talking about radicalism, because it'll all be viral, nice and clean, just for Joe. And uh, it'll still be on Trump. Trump has to prove that he's better than Biden and so forth. Well, there is that. But let's understand and the Wall Street Journal and others say in 2016 the election changed. No, no, no. 2008 is when the country changed. In the first election of Barack Obama, a Saul Alinsky apparatchik. What he's done to the culture, what he's done to politics, what he's done to the media. No, the election was 2008. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. Let me show you a difference in the media. If you would have had one of the leaders of the Weather Underground, a violent organization in the 1960s, say on television that he wants to burn the system down, then he plays word games. He would be condemned. But not today. Today you have this guy, the Black Lives Matter leader in New York City, who made that statement, among others. And you know what, Mr. Producer? He's making the rounds on the weekend. He's being given formats. That's the difference between the media of old, which was bad enough, and the media today, ladies and gentlemen. Just call it news and then anything goes. Here's the Wall Street Journal piece. President Trump may soon need a new nickname for Sleepy Joe Biden. How does President-elect sound? On present trend, that's exactly what Mr. Biden will be on November 4th. Mr. Trump heads for what could be a historic repudiation that would take the Republican Senate down with him. By the way, this editorial page has never been big on Trump. You know, they, they, they reject a number of his policies. Just keep that in mind, too. But again, if somebody has something useful to contribute, I want Trump to win. Mr. Trump refuses to acknowledge what every poll now says is true. His approval rating has fallen to the 40% or below that is George H.W. Bush and Jimmy Carter territory. They're the last two presidents to be denied a second term. This is in 2017 when Mr. Trump reached similar depths after failing to repeal Obamacare while blaming Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. He re- and this is a newspaper editorial page that loves McConnell and loved Ryan. He regained support with tax reform and a buoyant economy that really was lifting all incomes. And more than that, his executive orders on, uh, on regulations and the climate he created in dealing with China. But the Wall Street Journal is not going to give him any creds on China. Now the election is four months away. Voters know him very well, and Mr. Trump has reverted to his worst form. His record fighting the coronavirus is better than his critics claim After a bad start in late February and March, I have no idea what they mean by that. I know what the left has said. He mobilized federal resources to help hard-hit states, especially New York. But he wasted his chance to sow leadership by turning his daily pandemic pressers into bras with the bear-baiting press and any politician who didn't praise him to the skies. Now, i got to stop a second. There's some things he said that I wouldn't have said, but as a general matter, it wasn't Trump. He's trying to communicate messages to the American people. 
and CNN and MSNBC and PBS and NPR and the others send in their kamikazes. And how is a president supposed to conduct a press conference like that? Just not take the question? Not have a press conference? They don't tell us. Lately, he has all but given up even talking about the pandemic when he might offer realism and hope about the road ahead even as the country reopens. His default now is defensive self-congratulation. It's not self-congratulation. He's trying to get the message out about what his administration did because he can't get it out through the press. The country also wants him firm but emphatic leadership after the death of George Floyd. But Mr. Trump offers combative tweets that inflame. Not long ago, Mr. Trump tweeted that a 75-year-old man who was pushed by police in Buffalo might be an Antifa activist. He offered no evidence. But a lot of evidence has been offered about a lot of things that the media don't report. But that's a side issue. That's a cherry pick. That's a one-day, two-day thing. And I understand the point, but I don't know what kind of leadership they're talking about, and they don't explain it when you have ex-generals saying, don't bring in the military. They know full well the president's hands are tied to some extent by mayors and governors. Is he supposed to send in the military, ladies and gentlemen, against the wishes of the governor? Now, that's okay. That's been done in the past. But that does create a, a, very, uh, a very clear conflict. It's, it's, it's not so easy. And not a word here about what these ex-generals had to say, which kind of undermined the president. Anyway, let me go on. Americans don't like racial enmity, and they want their president to reduce it. Now, wait a minute. President to reduce it? Mr. Trump has preached racial harmony on occasion, but he gives it all back with riffs that misjudge the national moment. His law and order message might resonate if disorder and rioting continue through the summer. But only if Mr. Trump is also talking about racial reconciliation opportunity for all. That's not correct. They can go back to the 1960s playbook. It doesn't work today. Because the Marxist anarchists who are pushing so much of this are embraced by the media. As I said, you have the Black Lives Matter uh, would-be terrorists who's going to be on weekend shows, apparently. So the president's saying, I want to talk about unity, and I want to talk about unity, and I want to talk about unity. He put out an executive order. It was attacked by the media and by the left and by the Democrats. Attacked. He's met with police chiefs. He's met with victims. No credit. Zero. None. And none in this editorial. And law and order, they laugh at it. They scoff at it when the president says, you know, I want to put law and order. Oh, what are you, Nixon or something? Mr. Trump has little time to recover, they write. The president's advisors say that he trailed Hillary Clinton by this much at this point in 2016, that they hadn't had a chance to define Biden, and that as the election nears, voters will understand the binary choice. Perhaps, but in 2016, Mrs. Clinton was as unpopular as Mr. Trump. Well, Mr. Biden is not... Now, I hope you remember the first half of the program in this hour. When I went through all the stuff that's been done to this president, all the stuff that's happened on his watch. He's not unpopular because of the way he takes on the media. He's not even unpopular because of the tweeting. He's unpopular because these major events, some of them are concocted and some of them are real. 
that he's been wrestling to the ground for which he's attacked day in and day out, even today. We should be celebrating the fact that the death rate from the Wuhan China virus is 0.02%. Instead, look at the rates. They keep going up and up and up. And as they go up and up and up, unless people die, that death rate will go lower and lower and lower. Mr. Biden hasn't even had to campaign to take a large lead. That's the point. Why is that? Because of Donald Trump? No. If Mr. Biden was campaigning, if he was out there, if the media would give him 10% of the scrutiny they give Trump, he'd be dead. He'd be finished. And it goes on. Mr. Trump's advisors have an agenda that would speak to opportunity for all Americans of all races, school choice. I think he's mentioned that repeatedly. For K-12, vocational education as an alternative to college, expanded health care choice, building on the opportunity zones and tax reform and more. The one issue on which voters now give him an edge. Now, by the way, do you think that's going to win him the election? School choice, which really affects almost nobody outside the inner cities. Vocational education, when these polls say that he's losing support among college-educated white women in the suburbs, how is that going to help him with that? Every time he talks about health care choice and expanding health care, they attack him as simply trying to destroy Obamacare. So it's not that simple. The one issue on which voters now give him an edge over Biden is the economy. An agenda to revive the economy after the pandemic and restore the gains for workers of his first three years would appeal to millions. Well, he has. He said, I want to freeze the payroll taxes. I want to slash taxes further. He's talked about it. But it doesn't ignite the kind of interest now that it did a year ago. And I suspect he'll still talk about it. The Wall Street Journal didn't come up with that. And then it has the last paragraph. So they actually have no suggestions to me that are going to make a difference in terms of policy. And that's the problem. That's the problem when you have riots. That's the problem when you have a pandemic. That's the problem when you have a near depression. All these things that have taken place that he didn't do, but still, there you are. He fought with the governors to open up. He fought with the mayors to open up. He fought with the governors and the mayors to put down the rioters and so forth and so on. But the media have positioned Trump as the issue rather than the Democrat Party, the mayors, and the governors. And frankly, about 10% of this editorial is right on. In other words, don't get in the dirt with, the, uh, with, 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 with some of the slobs in the Democrat Party and in the media. On the other hand, 90% of it's way off, which is why they don't have any serious proposals in the piece. The president is drowned out. He's drowned out. You have a piece here. I'm not even going to bother with it by Peggy Noonan. Peggy Noonan hates Trump. Peggy Noonan is, a, is an oddball, a very weird person in my humble opinion. But she is the quintessential uh, kind of socialite with, uh, with the never-Trumpers, with Democrats. and uh, She's built her name on her relationship with Nancy Reagan. I was a Reaganite when she was a Democrat and she was working for Dan Rather. I don't need her lecturing me or anybody else. But she basically says he ought to get out. It's over. But she never wanted him to get in. This is the circle. Noonan, Drudge, Coulter, Conway, these people. And look at even Drudge. Drudge is rooting for Biden. Drudge is inflaming the, 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 the uh, 
the battles over there out in the inner cities and said, just look at his sight. I can't even look at it anymore. It's, it's like, uh, it's incoherent in the way it's organized. But it looks like a bad bout movement, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? I can't think of another word. There are, there are other news aggregators out there that are much better. The Blaze, the Daily Wire, Bongino has a great site that's now on my, my website. Use these things. It's like, it's like leaving Twitter and leaving these others. It's time to leave some of these old places. They're just old media now. That's what he's become. But that's a separate issue. But I'm going to give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. When we come back, we played this about how long ago, Mr. Producer? Half a year, a year? About six, eight months ago. Remarkable audio from Joe Biden in 1975. Some people have found it now, but we pulled our audio back up. Absolutely remarkable. Now, the media have this. The Wall Street Journal editorial page has this. The Drudge Report has it. But they don't want to promote it. They don't want to focus on it. But I will. We'll be right back. in. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. I'm going to have to play the Biden clips after this segment. After the top of the hour, they're just too long, but you're definitely going to want to hear them. There's been a terrible misreading of the 2016 election uh, by the media, by people who sit around and... Uh, uh, naval gaze and so forth. It was the 2008 election that was transformative for America and in the wrong direction. What was remarkable about the 2016 election is that Trump won. And the fury is that for eight years, Obama and Biden had their way. For most of the eight years, they were able to advance their policies. If they couldn't get, uh, couldn't get them through Congress, then Obama did them as a true dictator, by fiat. And he was uh, populating the courts with like-minded individuals, and you've seen some of them in the D.C. circuit, among other places, in the D.C. trial courts, all over the country. The open borders and all the other things Obama was doing to eviscerate the rule of law in this country. And he laid the foundation for everything you see taking place today. These are the Bernie Sanders supporters who were previously the Obama supporters in the streets. And now they will back Biden. Why? They got to get rid of Trump. Trump is all that stands between us and them. 
That's the editorial the Wall Street Journal should write. But it won't. The people out there who are independents, the people out there who are in the suburbs, who don't like the nature of the discussion that's taking place, they need to be awakened and fast. Or they're going to lose a hell of a lot and then wonder what happened. When you lose liberty, you almost never get it back. When you lose your liberty, you almost never get it back. And that's really what this election is about. And they don't even mention that in the Wall Street Journal. This election is about liberty and tyranny. That's exactly what it's about. So it was the 2008 election that was transformative and all in the wrong direction. And this is why Obama felt that he could take out the Republican nominee without anybody finding out. This is why uh, he used his administration to try and take out the president-elect. And we've gone from there. And the media agreed with Obama. They were Praetorian Guard for Obama. They're the same mindset. Just as you see the Marxist anarchy going on and the indoctrination in our schools, these journalists are indoctrinated too. They are participants. They are activists. That's the reason why the president has been engaging them, Paul Gigo and team. So now you're going to want to hear to the audio, uh, this audio that isn't being played anywhere else and should be. Uh, after the top of the hour. Now, one of the things I think that can be done to these mostly peaceful protesters, as you look at them, as the uh, it's been analyzed by, what was it, Pew, uh, that, that the, the, the largest number of them are white, uh, and I suspect a lot of these are college students who've got nothing better to do, who've been heavily indoctrinated by their Marxist tenure professors. I have an idea, Mr. Producer. And the White House and the Attorney General is going to have to look at this to see if they have a, a strong or even moderately strong legal leg to stand on. Anybody who is involved in desecrating public lands become ineligible for federal subsidies, including student loans. In addition to all the other criminality that can be thrown, uh, criminal statutes that can be thrown at them, hit them where it hurts. We're subsidizing these people. So if you receive federal benefits, whether it's a student loan, whether it's some other kind of subsidy, whether it's uh, food stamps or whatever it is, if you're desecrating public property, particularly federal property, you are ineligible for any of these benefits or subsidies for the rest of your life. Again, I haven't looked at this, but even if you can make the case and let it be challenged in court. That, among other things, is what I would do. Because I have a very strong suspicion, and I think it's borne out by information that's coming out, that many of these are simply college students or grad students or what have you uh, who, uh, who are leading the fight, you know, down for the revolution. Okay, I'm up against the revolution. More when I return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Why doesn't the president just act like a liberal? Why doesn't the president just become a rhino? Why doesn't the president just talk about racial injustice? Why doesn't the president do what we tell him to do? On and on. Oh, my God. First of all, he'll get creamed if he, if he does a Mitt Romney. But secondly, he's talked about it over and over again. Why don't you folks cover it properly? And why don't you cover this? I've got Joe Biden on National Pubic Radio, NBR, in 1975. Now, I want you to listen very, very carefully to this. And understand that this man is supported by LeBron James, by the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, by Don Lemon, African-Americans, prominent African-Americans, who talk about systemically racist America. And they're going to vote for Joe Biden. Now, I want you to listen to Joe Biden in 1975. We don't have to go back to 1875. We don't have to go back to 1905 or 1915 or 1925. We don't have to go back to a statue or monument. We can go right back to Joe Biden. 1975. Well after the 1960s. Well after the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. Well after. Joe Biden, 1975. Cut one, go. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits by making sure that a presently a heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society, that somehow we're going to solve our social ills. And quite to the contrary, I think the concept of busing, which implicit in that concept is the question you just asked, or the, the statement within the question you just asked, that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and, and, and all the rest, is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride is a rejection of the entire black awareness concept where black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and a cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity, their own individuality. And I think that's a healthy, solid proposal. Now let me say this. I know he sounds like Katherine Hepburn there, but that's beside the point. I'm not in favor of busing either because busing was a disaster. But that's not the point. His broader argument's the point. Mr. Producer, did he not just argue for segregation? Is that not what he just argued for? I want you to listen. He actually thinks, you know, he's sort of a Norm Chomsky type type. But I want you to listen very carefully. Again, cut one, go. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics... Now stop there. What individual characteristics and traits are we talking about when we're talking about busing? We're talking about skin color. That's what we're talking about. Not what's between your ears, but we're talking about skin color. So if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits. Go ahead. 
that a presently a heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society. So a totally homogeneous society, it's heterogeneous, now totally homogeneous. What he means there is integration. That you're judged by the character, by, the, by, by your character, not the color of your skin. Martin Luther King. Totally homogeneous society. Go ahead. That somehow we're going to solve our social ills. And quite to the contrary, I think the concept of busing, which implicit in that concept is the question you just asked, or the, the statement within the question you just asked, that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they... Stop. Learn- so we're going to integrate people so they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another. Go ahead. Grow up with one another and, and, and all the rest is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride. So stop. It's a rejection of the whole movement of black pride. You can still be proud of your ancestry. You can still be proud of your race, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody's saying you shouldn't be. You can be proud of who you are, what your parents were, your ancestry, proud of your race, proud of your religion, and so forth. And who's saying you shouldn't? You know, we have Columbus Day parades, we have St. Patrick Day parades, we have this, that. That's all good. That's okay. That's healthy. But we're still a melting pot. That's the point. Melting pot. And what he's saying here is no melting pot. No melting pot. What, do you want a homogeneous society? And nobody's even saying we want a homogeneous society. It is a diverse society where we want to unite among one another. But listen to how he's talking. Like a segregationist. You could have been opposed to busing and say it in a way in which you're not actually a segregationist. And explain in a thousand different ways how it doesn't work and so forth, which it doesn't and didn't. What happened is you had what's called white flight. They said, okay, fine, I'm leaving. And you also had black people who were upset. No, I want my kid to go to neighborhood school. You're busing my kid 15 miles each way every day. So really nobody was very happy with this, and it didn't do what it was supposed to do, quote-unquote. And a lot of it was court-ordered. But let's put that away. That's not even what I'm talking about. Listen to how he speaks. Listen to what he's saying. He didn't say what I just said, which are the facts. He had a grand, umbrella-like philosophy. What, do you want a totally homogeneous society? Where people subrogate their individual characteristics and traits? And what would that be? Aren't we all human beings? This is a shocking statement from this man. Shocking. Go ahead is a rejection of the entire black awareness concept. Where It's not a rejection of black awareness concept. In the least. How can you not be aware that you're a black man or a black woman any more than you... How can you not be aware that you're a white man or a white woman? Maybe you're proud of your religion. You're proud of your heritage. Those are all good things, as I said. We have a diverse society. The point is we're Americans. We're Americans. That's, that, that, that's what the Declaration of the Constitution, that's why they're so great. That's why we're so great. Nobody's rejecting black awareness or the concept 
Go ahead. Black is beautiful. Black culture should be studied. And a cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity, their own individuality. And I think that's a healthy, solid proposal. So he's taking uh, respect and, and uh, in honor in one's ancestry, one's uh, skin color, race, one's religion, what have you. And he's saying, if you're proud, look, look I'm proud of, as a Jew, but I don't want to be segregated. What does that have to do with anything? This is a racist statement. This could have been said by a segregationist senator back at the time from Mississippi or Alabama, or even Boston, Massachusetts. This is truly shocking. This is why I said tongue-in-cheek, but not so much, on Hannity the other night. There ought to be four debates, and the last one ought to be Biden versus Biden. This is not going to get the kind of attention it deserves on a single Sunday show. It's not gotten any attention in any newsroom by any so-called journalist. I've played this before, and this gives you a look into the heart and soul of this man. And when he said a month or two ago, in that interview, you know, if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. Is that what he said? Something like that? He hasn't totally lost this, this attitude. He will not be condemned. As I sit here and millions and millions of you are listening to this program. As this program will be podcast to millions more. As this program will be heard online, on app, satellite, all over the country, all over the world. Even it will be repeated on the internet. It will be repeated by others, I hope, on websites that are responsible. Forget about Drudge, but maybe Breitbart or something like that. It will be ignored by CNN, MSNBC, and I bet other newsrooms in this country too. This is a front page story. Now the way it would normally work is he's confronted with this. But they have him controlled. He's the bubble man. He's the bubble man. Everybody thinks he's, oh, look at this. It's righteous now that he won't campaign. It's very righteous. Wall Street Journal, it's really up to Trump. What the hell's Trump from? Trump, 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 Trump. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go. I think that part of the reason why much of this has not developed, much of the change is not developed, is because it has been an issue that has been in the hands of the racist. And we liberals have out of hand rejected it because if George Wallace is for it, it must be bad. He's still talking about, well, go ahead, busing. Haven't really looked at it. Now there's a confluence of streams. There is academic ferment against it. Not majority, but academic ferment against it. There are young blacks and young white leaders against it. There is social unrest, which highlights it. And now the Hubert Humphreys of the Senate might be required to go back and relook like they didn't look in the past at it. Now, maybe he has gone back and looked at it. I, and I'm not now remember, Kamala Harris attacked him for his position on busing. So this is interesting, 
particularly for you college-educated white women in the suburbs that they keep talking about. That's the phrase they use. I'm just using it, regurgitating it. You college-age white women in the suburbs. Kamala Harris supports busing on racial grounds. Biden never did, but now does. You got that? But Biden's explanation against busing is the problem. It is a racist, segregationist argument that he gave. But the reason why the media don't play this is not only because of that point, but because it puts Biden in a bind. If he supports busing based on race, then you'll lose all the sort of liberalish, college-educated white women in the suburbs. We can't do that. Wall Street Journal says the president needs to talk about tax cuts. That'll get him. So Biden would be in a pinch. What do I do? Do I go with Black Lives Matter? Do I go with Kamala Harris? Do I go with Elizabeth Warren? Or do I go with the white college-educated women in the suburbs? What should I do? I think I better stay in the basement. I'll finish this clip when we return. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, let's go back to cut two, 1975, Joe Biden, National Pubic Radio, go. I think that part of the reason why much of this has not developed, much of the change has not developed. And by the way, be- notice, notice he thinks he's a real, he thinks he's like Aristotle, or he thinks he's the thinker. You know, I think that monument's still up, although somebody did attack it once. You know, where you're sitting there and your elbow's on your leg and your, your fist is under your chin and you look to be really cerebral. This guy's like an idiot. He's always been an idiot. But look how he plays the role of uh, mastermind. Go ahead. It has been an issue that has been in the hands of the racist. And we liberals have out of hand rejected it because if George Wallace is for it, it must be bad. And so we haven't really looked at it. Now there's a confluence of streams. There is academic ferment against it. Not majority, but academic ferment against it. There are young blacks and young white leaders against it. There is social unrest, which highlights it. And now 
the Hubert Humphreys of the Senate might be required to go back and relook like they didn't look in the past at it. Now, maybe he has gone back and looked at it. I, and I'm not imply, implying that Hubert Humphrey did this just out of hand. But I know myself to make the transition of how do I legislate specifically. Give you by far, I would say close to... He's going to give us his word as a Biden, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Hours on just torturing this thing, meeting with leaders, meeting with the people on my staff, calling my staff together, um, uh, and the blacks in my staff together saying, oh, look, this is what I think. Do you think I am? I mean, is there something in me that deep-seated that I don't know? What do you, I mean, it really is a hard, hard thing, especially when you pictured yourself and been pictured by others, even though you have a short career, by your peers as being someone who, you know, has been out front the other way. Complete idiot. Absolute moron. But just remember this. Mr. Producer, keep it in your back pocket, both these clips. Because the Democrats are nominating somebody who certainly, in 1975, made these outrageous statements and gave us a justification for his position on busing, uh, the same kind of argument that you would hear from a segregationist. He was arguing for segregating racists, uh, uh, races, arguing for segregating racists. Kamala Harris took exception to this, although she didn't talk about this like this. I don't even know if she's heard it, but she'd be happy to be his running mate anyway. But you watch. We're pulling down monuments that are 100 years old, 150 years old, 50 years old, whatever they are. But Joe Biden, no problem. He wants to be president. Monument is a monument, right? It's stone. It's, it's nothing. It's whatever it is, it is. But this guy's flesh and blood, and he wants to be president of the United States, apart from the mental deficiency. He wants to be president of the United States. And so it requires real scrutiny, not like these fools who stand around a monument and stare at it for hours at a time, like it's Stonehenge or something or other. No. This guy wants to be president of the United States. This is what I mean by scrutiny. Where's Brian Stelter? He's nowhere. He's a punk. Where's anybody at CNN? They're nowhere. They'll lose their jobs if they dare play what I just played. Because Jeff Motherzucker runs the damn place. MSNBC, NBC, no, 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 we can't get into this. Instead, we got to talk about tax cuts, Mr. Producer. That'll excite everybody. More when I return. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, we have a special guest. 
great senator from Arkansas, Tom Cotton. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well, too. Well, I am. I'm doing well. Uh, uh, No monuments have been pulled down on my watch here so far tonight. I can say that. Uh, Senator Cotton, um, D.C. wants to be a state. The Democrats seem to bring it up uh, for really for exploited purposes. They know it's not going anywhere. Uh, So let me just ask you, why shouldn't the District of Columbia be a state? Because it's not a state, Mark. It is a city. Uh, And further than that, it is a federal city. It is our capital, and it was designed to be our capital by our founding fathers. They understood that the seat of our federal government, now the most powerful country in the world, needed to be under the control of federal authorities. Just five years before uh, Madison wrote about this in The Federalist, there was a mutiny in Philadelphia where the Congress sat at the time, and the Philadelphia governor or the Pennsylvania governor refused to call out the militia to defend the Congress, which had to flee to New Jersey. Now, you may say that's, oh, that's uh, obsolete, antiquated. We don't have any concerns about that. Look what just happened earlier this month, Mark. All right. We had riot, riots on the street of Washington, D.C., and the reason those riots were put down was not because the mayor of D.C. called out the police in force. It was because Bill Barr and the president called out federal law enforcement and the National Guard to protect the institutions of our national government. That's why we have a federal city, and that's one of the main reasons why we should always have a federal city. And you're exactly right. Mayor Bowser demonstrated exactly why we need a federal city with federal control, federal law enforcement, the the federal military, and so forth. These are national monuments. These are national buildings. This is the heart of the United States government. And, And Tom Cotton, you mentioned Madison. Why would they have created the District of Columbia if they didn't intend for there to be a federal city? In other words, they could have plopped it down in Maryland or Virginia or anywhere else they wanted to, but they didn't do that, did they? Yeah, and, and, and that is exactly what they wanted to avoid as well. The Congress had sat throughout most of the 1770s and 1780s in Philadelphia or in New York, and that made the seat of our national legislature subject to the uh, choices of a local mayor and a state governor, as opposed to the control of the federal government itself. And again, we just saw this a few weeks ago, that the federal government needs to be able to protect its own institutions, literally in some cases protect its own terrain and its own buildings. Now, if you look, Mark, too, what the Democrats propose to do, they suggest that, well, we still have a federal core, a seat of the government around the Capitol, the White House, and the National Mall. That is a gerrymandered monstrosity, Mark. It's got 90 sides. Um, Moreover, it would be totally dependent on this new Democratic-run state. It has one power plant. That means it would have to rely on its for its power, its water, its sewage, its communications, and other critical infrastructure on this new small state of Washington that is controlled right now by a mayor who hates the president mm-hmm. and has made it clear that she does not have the judgment or the courage to actually put down riots in the streets just a block from the White House. And, and let's talk uh, base politics here. We know full well if the governor was going to be a Republican or the senators were going to be Republican or the congressperson was going to be Republican. This wouldn't be discussed, would it? Yeah, of course not. It, if, the, if Washington, D.C. was overwhelmingly Republican, the Democrats in the House would never be proposing this. They are proposing it for one reason and one reason only – a naked power grab. They want to get two Democratic senators in perpetuity. Now, how do you know that, Mark? Well, it's very simple. 
if they really believed all their high-minded rhetoric about taxation without representation and how all these citizens in Washington, D.C. need to be represented in the Congress, there'd be a very simple solution from their point of view. They would simply retrocede the residential parts of Washington back to Maryland. That's exactly what happened in the 1840s when what we now call Arlington and Alexandria was retroceded back to Virginia. If they really wanted to compromise, if they really wanted to give those citizens representation in Congress, they would retrocede the residential parts back to Maryland. It would be almost perfectly sized to be a uh, House district, so they'd get an extra seat in the House for Maryland, and they'd be represented by Maryland's two senators. But they don't want an extra seat in the House. They want two seats in perpetuity in the Senate because they're angry that the American people have not given them total control of the government for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. The other thing is this, from my perspective, you can't just pass a statute and change what was intended to be the District of Columbia. I, I, I read these things, and I, and I look at the rationale. This requires an amendment to the Constitution, as far as I'm concerned. What's your take on that? Yeah, so I, I think there are serious constitutional questions, because remember, it's, it's not just like admitting a territory which became a state. You know, all 37 states that weren't part of the original 13 were admitted by statutes. This is turning what is a federal city, what was contemplated by the original Constitution, as a federal enclave for our national government into a state. I think that presents a different question. But there's also another constitutional question, Mark. Uh, The 23rd Amendment gives three electoral votes in the Electoral College to, quote, the seat of government, not to Washington, D.C., but to the seat of government. So when the House Democrats bill passed, if it passed in law, there'd be three new seats for what is now the new state of Washington. But that small 90-sided federal zone would still be entitled to its three electoral votes. Guess what is the only residence in that small little rump federal district, the White House. So all Donald Trump and Trump <laughs> is change their voter registration from Florida to Washington, D.C., and they control three electoral votes. I can't imagine that that's what Nancy Pelosi had in mind, but it just goes to show how absurd their bill is. You know, I notice a lot of absurdities, Senator. This, they waste a lot of time on these show uh, bills. Um, they don't allow the Tim Scott bill to come up and so forth. And so they, they really just want issues. They really want to upset people, exploit situations. This Democrat Party is very different than the Democrat Party of 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's very radicalized, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just 27 years ago, Mark, the last time that the House voted on a D.C. statehood bill, barely 100 Democrats voted for it. Today, more than 230 voted for it. Uh, But remember, there is a reason, Mark. There's a reason why they had this vote on Friday afternoon in the middle of the summer. It's because they don't want the American people to know what they're doing. This is massively unpopular. According to a Gallup poll from last year, more than two-thirds of Americans oppose statehood for the District of Columbia for all of the very sensible reasons we've discussed. So they held this vote not on, say, Tuesday afternoon, where it could be scrutinized by the news on Wednesday. They buried it in like a Friday afternoon bad news dump because they know just how unpopular it is. However, I would suggest that this is just a foretaste of what the nation will get if Joe Biden wins the White House and the Democrats win the Senate and the House. D.C. statehood, Puerto Rican statehood, packing the Supreme Court, eliminating the Electoral College. The Democrats want to rig the rules of our democracy so they can hold power permanently. And yet at least early summer, this doesn't seem to resonate with uh, parts of our country uh, where you think it might. In other words, some Republicans, if if you're listening to TV, which is a very dangerous thing, and you're watching some of these polls, it's like, you know, 
Trump's responsible for all the tumult, when he's responsible really for none of it. You know, the mayors and the governors and the pandemic and the Democrats uh, running wild with impeachment and, 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 and all the rest of it. Are they going to be able to tag the president with, the, with their own conduct? Look, the, the president's uh, going to be able to say to the American people, um, we got, our economy got knocked on its back. Uh, by this coronavirus. It happened all around the world. But before then, we built the strongest economy our nation has seen in decades. Who do you want to rebuild it? Me or the guy that with Barack Obama led to sluggish, slow job growth and a weak economy for eight years? And by the way, who do you want to defend your life, your livelihood, and our heritage in the streets? Me or Joe Biden? Joe Biden hasn't said a word about people tearing down statues of George Washington and U.S. Grant. Um, Donald Trump, obviously, is going to stand up to mob rule in our streets. So th- those are ultimately going to be the issues on which this campaign is decided. It is amazing how Biden's getting away with being the bubble guy, you know? It, 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 it's amazing to me. They're even talking about they're going to have a virtual convention. Do you know why they're going to have a virtual convention? Because they have a lot of kook delegates, you know, a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters and so forth. And they don't want the, the American people to know just how radical this party has become. And let me suggest this to you, Senator. A lot of these people in the streets, both the mostly peaceful and the mostly not peaceful, those are Bernie Sanders supporters. And they have moved over and are moving over to Biden to stop Trump. The two co-founders, or two of them, of Black Lives Matter, who admit to be Marxists, uh, they, they basically said our goal is to get Trump out of office. And the Democrat I mean, Party is not it, responsible it, for anything. And it's the goal. It's the goal of the Democratic Party as a whole. It's the goal of their media wing as well. Um, I won't be surprised if Joe Biden never emerges from his basement. They think they're winning right now. So why would you put um, a gas machine like Joe Biden out on the campaign trail? I won't be surprised if Joe Biden refuses to debate Donald Trump, um, because again, they, they know that Joe Biden has been nothing but a weather vane for Democratic fads for 50 years. And the latest fad, as you say, is the Marxism and the mob rule that we see in our streets today. There's no way that a President Joe Biden would ever stand up to the radical left wing of his party any more than he stood up to them when he voted for most favored nation status for China or he voted uh, for terrible trade deals or he voted for open borders. Joe Biden is going to do what the Democratic Party wants him to do. And the Democratic Party right now is increasingly run by radical left-wingers. Here's two fears I have, among many, but two right now. They'll say, yeah, we'll debate, but Joe's going to do it from the basement. They don't want him man-to-man, on a stage, standing behind, you know, and, uh, and talking back and forth with Trump. They want to be able to manage it. So they're not, they're not going to want them on the stage together. That's number one. And here's a second serious concern I have. And I've been somewhat concerned about voicing it, but I don't think I'm giving the radicals any ideas. You remember what happened in Philadelphia some time back with the Black Panthers and how they threatened the voters in that particular precinct? Do you remember that story? Do you remember that investigation that took place? I am worried, and not the Black Panthers, but all these radicals, whether it's Antifa or Black Lives Matter or some of the... I'm concerned about Election Day, what may take place in some of these precincts. And I hope the Attorney General... And I hope the state secretaries of state are paying attention to this. I don't know what the answer is, but I don't put anything past these Marxist anarchists, Senator. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at uh, what some of these anarchists, insurrectionists, rioters have done over the last month on our streets in terms of torching churches or looting department stores, tearing down statues of 
George Washington, Andrew Jackson, uh, U.S. Grant, tearing down statues of abolitionists or defacing statues of African-American regiments that fought for un- the Union on the side of freedom in the Civil War. Um, I don't think you can uh, put anything out of question when you're dealing with anarchists and insurrectionists like we've seen over the last month. Well, Senator, I want to thank you. Have a good weekend and good luck to you. Be safe. Thank you, Mark. All right. God bless. One of the stars, don't you think, Mr. Producer? All right. Mr. Producer, don't call me honey. Oh, honey. Everyone knows PayPal. But did you know they're teaming up with Honey to save you money? Seriously, Honey's the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, and now it's part of the PayPal family. Just add Honey to your computer and shop on all your favorite sites like normal. When you check out, you just check the little Apply Coupons button that pops up. I don't know why people aren't doing this. I'm sure some of you, but all of you should be doing this. You wait a few seconds for Honey to scan its database of all the working coupons on the web, then watch your price plummet. Honey works on nearly every online store, including Walmart, DoorDash, Home Depot, Lulamont, Macy's, and more. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. Why wouldn't you take the discounts? Because Honey is free to you. It's free to you. It's free to use. Installs in just seconds. So if you buy anything online, if you ever have or ever do, you want to do this. You can get Honey today. This is what you do. Joinhoney.com. you got to include the word join. That's joinhoney.com slash Levin. Joinhoney.com slash L-E-V-I-N. One more time. Joinhoney.com slash Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Summer's here, everyone. Summer we're all sure to remember, and Chaminet is celebrating with you a sale to remember. Right now, get the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness and the jawline treatment, and Chaminet will double your supply for free. Whether you're staying home, going back to work, or simply reconnecting with your loved ones and coworkers, now's the time to say goodbye to puffiness, dark spots, crow's feet, and even firm up the delicate skin around the jawline and neck area. Look years younger? Guaranteed. You'll get compliments or simply get 100% of your money back. 100%. Order Genesel now and Chaminet will double your order for free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. And for results in minutes, the Genesel Immediate Effects is also free, plus a surprise luxury gift at checkout. Get double your order free now. Now's the time to do it. Friday? Oh, yeah. All orders today are upgraded to free priority shipping. That's 800-SKIN-604, Genesel.com, Genesel.com, 800-SKIN-604. All right, let me help the Wall Street Journal editorial page. What you should be promoting and what the president should be campaigning on is what I said two weeks ago, last week, and this week. Ladies and gentlemen, if you love your country... You love your Constitution. If you believe in hard work and that you should be able to keep most of what you've earned. 
if you believe in the nuclear family, if you believe in faith, if you get a chill down your spine when the national anthem is played, and you put your hand on your heart, or salute the American flag, when you say hello to a police officer, or hello to a person who serves in our military, when you believe that America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth, imperfect, as we all are, but the greatest nation on the face of the earth, then you should vote for me. Joe Biden hasn't said any of these things. Not in the face of all the turmoil and tumult that we face, he hasn't said a word. He hasn't stood up for his country. He hasn't stood up for his flag. He hasn't stood up for the military. He hasn't stood up for police officers. He hasn't stood up for faith and community. He hasn't stood up for anything. This is an election about you. This is an election about your family. This is an election about what kind of country you want to live in. We have young men and women, tens of thousands, serving all over the world today to protect this great place we call America. It's the least we can do on the first Tuesday of November is to back them up with a vote. With a vote for America. And that's the choice. If you believe in liberty, as opposed to tyranny, if you believe we are a great, diverse people, the greatest people on the face of the earth, you'll vote for me. If you believe we are not, that we are systemically racist, if you believe our military is imperialist, if you believe our police officers are abusive, Well, then vote for Joe Biden and his party. That's what this election comes down to. Whether you support America or whether you don't. That's my three-minute speech, Mr. Producer. What do you think? There you go, Wall Street Journal. Run with that one. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. When I want to turn to somebody... Who knows New York City like the back of his hand, even the front of his hand. I go to my man, Curtis Sleva, the great broadcaster, WABC in New York. Walter Hawk Newsom. This is the guy that says that he is the Black Lives Matter 
leader in uh, in New York City. Sean Hannity played for me what he had said uh, when I was on his program Thursday night, and I really laid into this guy. I said, yeah, Mr. Tough Guy, what are you going to burn down exactly? Curtis, you happen to know who this man is, don't you? Oh, yes. He, uh, Mark, and his sister, Shavona, they are the co-founders of the Black Lives uh, Matters movement of Greater New York. They are a fixture in the ever-growing New York City radical movement, as you know, growing by leaps and bounds. And more importantly, his sister, Shavona, just ran in the Democratic primary for the 15th Congressional District in the South Bronx. Thank God she lost because she is a hardcore Marxist. But they are involved in the Democratic Party political process and are constantly out there. No justice, no peace. F the cops. Um, uh, A-C-A-B, which means all cops are, well, they, I'll say bad, but you know what that B stands for. And they are firing up people, uh, blacks and whites and others, to go out and destroy monuments and to abolish the police. But he's a fixture, and she is in the Democrat Party, you're saying? Oh, yeah, she just ran. In fact, she's so radical that AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, actually endorsed um, her adversary because even she was too radical for AOC. But, no, they're fixtures. They've been here a long time. In fact, you know what fixtures they are, Mark? You know how you have the gadflies who will go to every uh, city council meeting or any kind of charter revision uh, meeting? They attend them all. They give fiery speeches, uh, and they don't hold back at all. They talk about uh, destroying and burning down the system as we know it and replacing it with a system that they feel will be better for black people. What, what does he do for a living, this guy? Believe it or not, Mark, he went to law school. But I don't believe Did he, he go pe- to the same law school as the guy that was throwing Molotov cocktails at the cops? I hope not. Oh, him and her. Remember, you had two radical young people who tossed Molotov cocktails. I actually saw the vans, the New York uh, Police Department vans that they bombed outside of the 88th precinct just hours later when they tried to attack the precinct, take it over, and turn it into a no-cop zone. Yeah, he's part of that whole fraternity and sorority. And his sister has been an accountant for major 500, Fortune 500 companies. So they've had, uh, you know, this on their resume. These, these These are the Molotov couple but i want to go back to the black lives matter this guy this guy uh, walter hawk newsom you're threatening to burn things down you know when i was growing up as a kid you're threatening to burn things down you get arrested no that's not happening here come on mark this is new york city now you can shoot people you can kill people The mayor here, Comrade Bill de Blasio, has disbanded the anti-crime unit, which used to go out and actually get guns and gangbangers off the street. It's open season here for criminals. As you know, recently, Mark, I and the Guardian Angels, we had to battle looters. Oh, yeah. I have a fractured jaw because the mayor ordered the police to stand down, just like the mayor did years ago in Baltimore in the riots uh, after Freddie Gray's death. He did exactly the same thing. And you saw what happened as a result. And I'm, I'm still, uh, 
I'm finding it difficult to jawbone here, but, you know, it's well worth it. You know, first they come. If you're a student of history, they come for the property. Then they come for the product. And if you don't stop them right where they're rioting and looting, then they come for the people. And that's what they're doing now. Look at Seattle. Look at Minneapolis. Look at Portland. They've taken over the North Precinct in North Portland, and they burned out black-owned businesses in the process. Mm-hmm. All and they want to create these no cop zones. Cops are the villains. Because this is not about systemic racism, even though they may think so at the NFL and the NBA, all the millionaires who play there. This is about overthrowing the country. Overthrowing the country, burning down the system. That's what the guy said. That's exactly what they mean. Black Lives Matter, their co founders are trained in Marxism. That's what they are Antifa, Marxists, anarchists, and all these other people who are playing along. These corporations, these are suckers. Absolute well, fools. You know, it's uh, their brothers and sisters in solidarity with Antifa. Antifa. Antifa is predominantly white. Black Lives Matter, predominantly black. But they're in solidarity. They have the same mission, the same goals. And we see it right now in Washington, D.C. They are intent on tearing down the Abraham Lincoln statue that was paid for by freed slaves. And as you know, the uh, speech that was given when the statue was unveiled in Washington, D.C. was by Frederick Douglass itself. doesn't matter to them. They want to destroy all statues, all art, all history. And you know that is the primary focus and manifesto of Marxism. Destroy all history. Destroy your past. And that's what they're working on. All right, Curtis, I want to thank you. Now we know more about Walter Hawk Newsom. Apparently he's going to be on TV this weekend. Oh, yeah, Chris Wallace, Fox oh, Chris, News Channel. Chris? Yeah. Somebody, I didn't know it was Chris. Yeah. Uh, let's see how tough he'll be because, remember, what Hawk has perfected in the streets of the Bronx is he loves to intimidate nebbishy and schlubby kind of guys. Let's see if Chris can stand up to the staring glare of Hawk Newsom. Yeah, one tough guy, that Hawk Newsom. I'll tell you, oh, oh. What's he going to burn down, Mr. Tough Guy? Well, you know, maybe I'll come across him. And you know me, it'll be a left hook, <laughs> a right cross, and I'll drop him right on the spot. And I'll, I'll tell him, hey, this is in honor of Mark Levin. Do it. Do it. Done. Although, I, although I'm not encouraging it. No, no. no. I'm not encouraging to assault and batter No, anybody. absolutely not. This is, right. you know, this is my mantra. This is what I've done for 41 years around the world. I'll take care of things. All right. You take care of yourself. God bless you. Thank Be you, careful. Mike. All right. Bye-bye. No, no. I cannot encourage that, Mr. Producer. And if anybody thought that I did, I am not. Right now I'm saying, no, don't. Bill, Cheltenham, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT, Cheltenham, Pennsylvania. I grew up. For much of my youth in Elkins Park on a road called Cedar Road, and I was elected to the Cheltenham School Board so long ago. I was 19 years old. Bill, how are you, sir? Yes, you were, Dr. Levin. And by the way, I went to Bishop McDevitt High School, and you know ex- I know exactly where it is. Yep. I graduated, I graduated in 1976, and I think you were like 75. Maybe. 75. And let me ask you, are you still living in Cheltenham? No, sir. I, that's why I'm calling. You I'm are or are not? No, I'm not. I'm living in New, I'm living in Summers Point, New Jersey, right? Yeah, that's a nice area. The last the last twenty years. Well, blocks from Bentner, where you where you vacation. Oh yeah. So that that's why I love you. But, Thank you. 
I, I'm just calling to say, man, Philadelphia is really it, it, it's it, it's getting bad. It's, no, it's, it's going to hell. Bad. You got it. You got a, a crackpot mayor. You got a district attorney who should be the uh, leading the uh, defense uh, the, the defense office uh, there. You got the these. It, it's just it's it was used to be such a great city. It was. It was. It was. Mark, my brother's a police sergeant. Yeah. He's been a he's been a police officer in the city of Philadelphia for over twenty years, and he he's just you can't believe it. He's I know. Working, he's right. He's right now, Mark. Honest to God, he's working like sixteen hours a day for the last for the last I don't know two or three months. He's worn out. Of course. And he's getting no back, and he's not he's not getting any backing from from this mayor, from this commissioner, who by the way came from Portland, Oregon. So you know Portland, Oregon. So you know what she's up to. Mm-hmm. She just like she just wait, 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 wait. Your police commissioner's from Portland, Oregon. The police commissioner. Oh, and good get, lord! And, this gets this gets better. Her name is Danielle Outlaw. Oh, Outlaw. Outlaw. That's her. I see. That's her. That's her name. That's that's who she is. Yeah. She. There is so many talented upper brass police. Uh, Officers in, in in the city that, that this that this Crom County had to go outside the city to hire. People don't understand. The U.S. attorney there has his hands full because he's basically having to deal with this this DA who is a disaster. The mayor is a disaster. Um, this is a city where I used to take the train in. It used to be called the Reading, and then it was the Septa train. I used to take the train in. Uh, from the Melrose Park station there, uh, Bill, and I take it right into Philadelphia, get out of Market Street, walk all over the city. There was never an issue, never a problem. There were black people, white people, Hispanic, although not that many, but just, just plenty of people just walking around, minding their own. But today, it's quite different. Yeah, It's just well, different. It's sad. It's, it's terrible. All right, Bill, thank you for your call, my friend. Not only that. I went to law school at Temple University, which is on Broad Street, for those who don't know, Temple Law School in Philadelphia. And here I am, a white kid. I'm living in the suburbs. I would take the, uh, the train, sometimes the subway. But I would take the train. I'd get off. It would even be dark. And I'd walk from the stop. Uh, I'd walk about, I don't know, I'm doing this off the top of my head, six blocks maybe, from where the train stopped at the North Philadelphia stop, and I'd walk to the law school. Today you can't do it. Today you can't do it. it. It's sad. And that's why when I see people who just keep pulling, pouring fuel on the fire, I know they don't live in these neighborhoods. I know they don't go into these neighborhoods. I know they don't know the people in these neighborhoods. They don't want to know the people in these neighborhoods. They'll never send their kids in these neighborhoods. I'm talking about professional athletes. I'm talking about actors and actresses. I'm talking about millionaires and billionaires. You know, when you look at Black Lives Matter, they're raising hundreds of millions of dollars, Mr. Produce. Did you Are you aware of this? It's a Marxist anarchist organization. The flag was hanging outside of the San Francisco Stadium with the American flag and the flag of California. Mitt Romney, what, a few weeks ago? Black Lives Matter. What he's saying... Lowercase b, lowercase l, lowercase m isn't true. Of course black lives matter. All lives matter. Oh, you better not say that. I'm going to always say that. Always say it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Leo Terrell used to be fairly radical when I used to watch him on TV. He's a very courageous man right now. He's a very courageous man. And he will be on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. I want to strongly encourage you to watch it. Alan West, too, after his horrific motorcycle accident. Um, uh, But I want to play a little bit of this for you. Just a taste of Leo Terrell will be on Sunday. Cut 18, go. Leo Terrell... You talk about Black Lives Matter. You also have this Antifa movement. I've looked into the backgrounds of these organizations. They really are Marxist anarchist organizations, much like the, the Weather Underground of the 1960s. The two co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement have said they are trained Marxists. They also were supporters of the Bernie Sanders campaign. We don't hear Bernie Sanders speaking out. We don't hear Biden speaking out, Pelosi. We don't hear Schumer speaking out. More to your point, do you think now that this very radical element, which does not represent the vast majority of Americans, does not represent the vast majority of African Americans, they're not up for a vote, they just claim to, do you think this is a growing element within the Democrat Party? Do you think that's why the leadership of the Democrat Party is giving silent approval, really, to what they're doing? You know, Mark, I think they're, they, Black Lives Matter have dominated social media. But and the perception is that they control the Democratic Party. I'm hoping, I'm begging, I'm praying that they don't control the Democratic Party. But the current status right now, it is. It has controlled the Democratic Party. It has muted Democratic leadership. The Democratic leadership is afraid of Black Lives Matter for a variety of reasons. One is the most insulting. They assume they speak for African Americans. Let me be clear. Black Lives Matter does not speak for Leo Terrell. And there is no representative, there's no monolithic group like Black Lives Matter that speak for African-Americans. We are individuals and we have our own individual opinion. I can assure you, those African-Americans in these Democratic cities, they want law and order. That's the goalpost, police. The goalpost between the criminal and a safe neighborhood. But what black lives have done is they have hijacked the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has remained silent, fearing that they will alienate mainstream blacks. Trust me, Democratic leadership, you won't alienate mainstream uh, black voters. But the black lives leadership has controlled the platform for the Democratic Party as we speak. 
Now, after the bottom of the hour, we don't have enough time in this segment. I want you to hear a few more minutes of Leo Terrell. And I want you to tune in Sunday and listen to the whole thing. And if you can't, please DVR it because it's very important. Uh, Terrell has really become a leading spokesman against what's taking place. He's got the, the pedigree. Uh, he's been a civil rights lawyer for many, many years, and before that, a public school teacher. And he's highly regarded in the um, Los Angeles uh, community. Uh, but he won't sit still for this. In the second half of the program, we have the great retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who had a horrific motorcycle accident. I want you to know it almost cost him his life. Uh, but he's back in for the fight. Even though he's getting treatment and things are happening, uh, he wanted to come on the program as well when we asked him. Uh, and, and he did. And what you can see over the last several weeks, what I've been doing is I'm bringing in African-American scholars, African-American authors, African-American activists and patriots, because I want as much of America to know Black Lives Matter doesn't represent the African-American community, certainly not most of it. That's why they burn things. That's why they're Marxists. Marxists don't care about democracy or representative government or anything of the sort. And show me one place in the world, anywhere, where Marxism, that is communism, has come about through a peaceful transition of power. Never. They seize power. And we have morons all over the culture, whether they're in Hollywood or professional sports or ESPN or wherever they are. Morons who don't even realize how they're being played and don't care. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. You know, we have so much great audio here, and I, and I didn't get to almost any of it. But I want you to hear Leo Terrell, another few minutes of him. Um, and he will be on, as I say, Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. He and Alan West are absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. More Leo Terrell on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. Just a little taste. Go. You know, you talked about the fact that Black Lives Matter doesn't seem to care much about Mr. Dorn, who was really murdered in cold blood. A wonderful man, by all accounts, and others, by the way. White, black, interracial. Uh, they're very, they're very, in other words, they push a narrative. 
you've got going on in our cities today, particularly when you look at cities like Chicago, absolute slaughter taking place. Uh, the number of people who are shot, you had a one weekend not long ago where over 100 people were shot, 15 people killed, five of which were little kids, one of which was a three-year-old. I don't think, by the way, I don't hear a thing other than any passing reference by the mainstream media. Oh, look, isn't this horrible? Now back at Trump. Or Black Lives Matter. I don't hear people marching about this. I don't even see Sharpton marching about this. This is, this is, I mean, when you look at that little three-year-old kid who is sitting in the car, or that 13-year-old girl who is sitting watching TV, a bullet went through her neck. A 16- and 17-year-old kids, boys who are out, behaving, having a good time. Somebody walks up and murders them. And, and it's like nobody knows their name. It just moves on. And that's the end of it. And let's get back to, uh, to the cops. I, I don't, honestly, I don't understand the mindset of these organizations. Shouldn't you be in these neighborhoods marching for protection for, and, and there are, by the way, there are pastors, uh, there are, there are anti-crime individuals, but their voices aren't heard. It's just this, it's, it's the mob. The mob's voice is heard. What do you think of that? I'll tell you, you, you hit it right on the head. Here's the problem. This is why Black Lives Matter is it, basically, in my opinion, the Al Sharpton of the 21st century. They're, they're profiteers. They are profiting on trying to give a narrative, a false narrative, that is white racist cops uh, that's destroying the black community. You point out Chicago. No black lives presence walking through the neighborhood protesting to stop black-on-black -black crime. Al Sharpton goes to the George Floyd funeral, used a, used a funeral to launch a campaign speech attacking Donald Trump. I don't see Al Sharpton in Chicago, that three-year-old kid who was killed. You know why? Because it's not profitable. There's no money to be made. And this narrative, which is, you know, and again, I have the credibility Attack me. As a civil rights attorney, I know there may be 1% or 2% of bad cops. But 98%, they're great. And when you talk about Chicago, you talk about Atlanta, you talk about Washington, D.C., and L.A., this big lie, Mark, of systemic discrimination. How can you have systemic discrimination in Chicago when the leadership is minority? I know what systemic discrimination is. It does not exist. But yet, this is the narrative that the Black Lives leadership portrays, the Democratic leadership, systemic discrimination. It doesn't exist. They don't know what they're talking about. This is not 1960. We don't have Bull Connor and the German Shepherds. This is 2020. I, uh, African American, on your show. It's not like it was 50 years ago. But Black Lives Matter and the Democratic leadership wants you to think it's 1960. Well, yeah. I'm sick of that narrative. Man, oh, man, of Shevitz. He is hot. He is great. Here's this piece by Karen Tumulty. She's been around forever and a day. At the Washington Compost, exactly what the liberal Democrats have ordered in the Biden camp. It's time to rethink the presidential debates. Given how many ugly turns this presidential election year has already taken and how many more are surely yet to come, it's probably a fool's errand to go in search of silver linings in 2020. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Karen will carry the day. But the realities of campaigning amid a pandemic are forcing adjustments to the rituals of politics, some of which are for the better and long overdue. 
See where this is going? I've written before about how the quadrennial party conventions have outlived their purpose. There's no suspense anymore to these pointless, lobby-funded infomercials, and television audiences find them boring. President Trump, look, I find the Washington Post boring. I find CNN and MSNBC boring. Maybe you all ought to just go away. President Trump and the Republicans are clinging to the idea of holding a huge gathering this summer. But the Democrats made a wise move on Wednesday and announced that theirs will be drastically scaled back, physically speaking. You see, this is how you build up a, the righteousness of what the Democrats are doing when it's actually more autocratic and tyrannical. While former Vice President Joe Biden will not be accepting his party's nomination with the cheers of 20,000 people ringing in his ears, 21st century technology, if used creatively, gives the Democrats an opportunity to make their convention a more broadly shared experience and an organizing tool for mobilizing support as the fall campaign gets underway. Now she's giving advice to them. Trump is claiming he would like to have four face-offs with Biden, by the way, rather than the three, plus one vice presidential debate that are currently scheduled to take place between September 29 and October 22. This is not a serious proposal. Even under the best of circumstances, scheduling these much-watched events on the busy fall calendar is a difficult challenge for the Commission on Presidential Debates, which has been in charge of the process since the 1988 election. Get rid of them! Who gives a damn? 1988. Pull it down. Pretend it's a statue. It has to find dates that are not on Friday or Saturday nights. Do not conflict with the sports and, and other events networks are committed to. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got to watch those players kneeling. Finding venues is a challenge. As well, particularly this year, University of Michigan, which was originally supposed to host the second debate on October 15, backed out earlier this week. All of this could be simplified if the campaigns would drastically reduce the live audiences who attend the debates. Or even do away with them entirely, Mr. Producer. Isn't that convenient? So now the media are starting to campaign on behalf of Biden and the Democrats. You don't need live audiences for debates. Now what does that mean? What I told you at the beginning of the show. Backbenchers, please write it down. I know you will and regurgitate it on Monday. Which is this. If there's to be debates, they want them to be virtual debates. In other words, not two men standing on a stage behind podiums looking at each other and debating. They saw what Biden looked at during the Democrat debates. And isn't it amazing? They had many, many of them, and somehow they managed to work into the television schedule, regardless of all the sporting events. They don't want that look with Biden up there with Trump because he'll blow out the election. He'll lose. And she says, and look, do away with them entirely. Away with them entirely. The debates would probably be better, too, if they were conducted, as the famed 1961 between Kennedy and Nixon, in a television studio. So in other words, either virtual, not at all, or in a studio. We can't have these men staying in. No. She's throwing out ideas now that would hurt Trump. And but I have an idea. Why don't we change it next election rather than this one? I have a theory, Mr. Producer. You want to hear it? I don't think Joe Biden's with us anymore. I think what we're looking at most of the time is a blow-up doll. 
I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't think there's any proof that there is a Joe Biden anymore. It's like, uh, it's like a flash in the pan. Maybe they're just kind of putting together his statements or something and playing them. You know, how, you know how you can do stuff with modern technology? You think that's what they're doing? Something like that, 100%, right? Well, we can't have debates. At the minimum, they ought to be virtual. You shouldn't have a, a convention with people, a debate with people. Yeah, just cut out the people, ladies and gentlemen. You see, you just cut the people out. The Democrats will be fine with that. But my theory is that Joe Biden does not exist. That there, I don't know, technology, like you know, the production artists and so, but something's going on here. Something's going on. I, I, something strange is going on. And I can hear the production people now. No, 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 it's not 120 million, you idiot. It's, it's 120,000. Have Biden say 120,000. I meant 120,000. Almost robotic. I have another theory, Mr. Producer. You want to hear it? Joe Biden has seen the same plastic surgeon as Nancy Pelosi. Because I'll tell you what, they're starting to, they're starting to look alike. Biden's starting to look like Pelosi, and Pelosi's starting to look like Biden. Don't you see that? And their foreheads are melding. Their foreheads are melding. And Nancy Pelosi has four eyebrows. I say this with all due respect. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, I've got some good news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news, actually, NBC. The Simpsons producers will no longer have white actors voice non-white characters. Now, Mr. Producer, I don't watch The Simpsons, but I'm looking at a picture of The Simpsons. They're not white. They're mustard color. They're, they're yellow. It's kind of a mustard color. Do the Simpson producers know what they're producing? No, they want to get on the train, you see. They, they, they want to get in line here. Hey, look at us, too. We can virtue signal. No longer. Now, they do have non-white characters, but they have no white characters that I'm aware of, do they? How do they think about it? No, they think of the Simpsons don't have any white characters. They have black, brown, and mustard. But that's good. I, I, I've been wondering what the Simpsons are going to do about this. This has been very troubling to me. 
very, very troubling to me. And we all need to watch TV now and watch commercials, watch movies, and always have in mind systemic racism. And what are they going to do about it? Are they going to fix it? And whatever you do, don't watch sports with that in mind. Because you'll notice that, well, I won't go there. Who's the owner of the Mavericks again? What's his name? Cuban. Mark Cuban. What a gutless buffoon. I don't know why people watch this guy. He's decided he's going to vote for Biden. Because, you know, Biden makes more sense to him and Trump is just not a leader. That's not why he's voting for Biden. And that's not why he feels he has to announce it. It's because he doesn't want to be treated like Drew Brees. That's why. I'm just being honest. He's a billionaire, and he's a gutless wonder. He can't stand up and say, no, I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for. Maybe I'll vote for Trump. No, I'm going to vote for the guy with a negative IQ, and it's getting lower and lower by the name of Biden. And people have him on TV. Does he ever say anything smart? I haven't heard the damn guy say a single damn thing smart. What a jerk. America, here you go.
right, the week is officially over. The weekend begins now. Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Please check us out live or you can DVR it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. We stand with you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my baby, Barney. Ladies and gentlemen, be safe. Be happy. Be strong. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leah. We miss all of you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 